This message is provided by Bridgeway Community Church. Thanks for tuning in. Last week, um, I don't know if you guys caught Pastor Justin's message. He gave a great message on family conflict, which none of us in this room struggle with. So you don't watch that one. I'm just kidding. It was great. Check it out. Check, jump on our website, onto our YouTube page or app later on. If you missed that one, you're going to want to catch it. Um, all of our services are there. You can catch any of our past messages there as well. Well, this week, um, I got my first question is, what is something that is memorable to you? And I want you to just think, maybe just think about this past week. Something that happened in your life or in the community that is memorable, that you is worthy of remembering. Give you a second to think of one. And see if yours is the same as mine. So I watched, um, I've been watching football, sorry, guilty, guilty of mine that I've been doing that. But I've been watching some football lately. And there was a game earlier this week um, that was pretty traumatic, and something, uh, a crazy injury happened, and it sounds like the guy's doing well now, so I'm grateful to hear about that. But there's another person in the, in the story that kind of was memorable to me, that stood out, and I saw it kind of blazing around on the, on the internets this week, and I don't know if you've heard of the name Dan Orlovsky, if that name rings a bell to any of you. He was a Detroit Lions quarterback of all things, a long, long time ago. And he was known for his first play. Uh, he ran the wrong way. He went the opposite way in, into the end zone, the wrong end zone, um, which is pretty memorable probably in his life. He probably didn't, not something that he's happy that I'm sharing this morning. But on the other side of that, the live broadcast of this happening, this, this uh, young man suffered a, a massive injury on the field and Dan takes a second, he's on live national TV, he pauses, and he prays on a secular channel, not worrying about what it's going to mean for him. He takes a second, and he pauses, he says, I'm going to give this to God. Wow. <laughs> That's personally convicting to me, just as I think about that, like, <clears throat> the courage that that takes, I don't know what that's going to mean for his career, Hope, hopefully it impacts in the positive way, or at least not at all, but for him to, to be, to do what he knew in that moment, you know what, this man, more than anything, this person on the field, what they need is they need God, and they need his help, and I want to, I want to cover him in that, and that's just, that's something that stood out to me, something memorable that stood out to me, um, something that I want to remember, um, and today, we're, we're talking all about that. We're talking about how do we remember things, things that are easily forgotten, and sometimes even if it's something that we know really well. So today we're actually, we're going to be in Exodus, Exodus 14. If you've got your Bibles, your apps, your, your favorite tablet or device, you can um, open it up there. It'll be up on the, on the screens as well. Um, and there's also Bibles underneath the seats in front of you if you prefer, if you prefer that way. As you're turning there, I want to give you just a little history. Before Exodus 14, there's obviously 13 chapters, right? Um, so there's a lot that happens there. This is all the story about God's chosen people, Israel, and how they get pulled out of a terrible situation. So they are in slavery. They're in Egypt. They're in slavery for 430 years. And at the beginning of the book, it kind of lays out a little bit of what that looks like. So they are, they are in forced labor. 
They're being, uh, they're making bricks and mortar, doing heavy lifting. It's not just like any kind of, you know, it could be any kind of labor, but they're doing like the hard, out in the sun, heavy work with people that are over top of them. And I don't know if that's, you know, every day of 430 years, but regardless, it doesn't sound fun. And they get to 400 some odd years of this, and they are crying out to God to rescue them. And he does. Spoiler alert, he does. He rescues them, but he does it by bringing 12 plagues, right? He brings 12 plagues. Maybe you've heard this story before. You probably have if you've been around the church for any time, but if not, I'm going to keep on going. We've got these 12 plagues that come, and he sends, and he sends them um, alongside of somebody that he's put in place to ultimately rescue them, that's Moses. Maybe you've heard that name before. At the end of the 12 plagues, the last plague is the most traumatic, most painful one, it's the one where he sends his angel to take out the firstborn of each person that doesn't listen to what God says. And he tells them, hey, what I need you to do this night, I need you to mark your doorframe. You're going to mark your doorframe with the blood of a lamb. And this is a sign to my angel to know that you have chosen to follow me, that you call me Lord and Savior. And I will pass over your house and you will not suffer this plague. And guess who doesn't? <laughs> The Egyptians, right? The Egyptians, they don't follow it all the way up to the leader of the Egyptians. The, uh, isn't it, his name uh, is Pharaoh. Pharaoh's the leader. That's the, the leader, the king of the Egyptians. He doesn't, and there's a huge cry out, wailing over that night because of the loss, the severe loss. And the Egyptians fearing the worst that it's not going to end with just one person, but that they're just going to be completely wiped out. They're like, get out. Not only just like did the Israelites get what they want, like they're driven out, like get out of here, go, leave. We don't want you. We don't need you anymore. No more slave, go, you're free. And so they take off. And if you want to read, you want to catch this whole thing, I challenge you to do it. If you haven't done it in a while, read it again. It's a, uh, an awesome story, Exodus 1 through 13. But the big point in this story and the thing that I want to remember the most is God rescued them. If there's nothing else that you catch you from that story, this is about God and his rescuing ability. This is the picture we, we should remember, that they should remember, and they do in part, right? Like they set up a holiday called Passover, and it's a Jewish holiday that they celebrate each year to remember how God passed over and ultimately rescued them from their slavery, but you gotta hear, you gotta, you gotta hear what actually happens afterwards. This is Israel's response. So we're gonna go there first. Exodus 14. Um, we're gonna scoot on down to verse number 10. So as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were Egyptians marching after them. And they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. I'm gonna pause there for a second. So, right, like they just got sent out, they're running out into the desert, and then all of a sudden, Mo, or, I'm sorry, Pharaoh realizes that maybe this isn't such a great idea. And so he, he sends his army after them. He sends his 600 best chariots. And then it says later on, it says that he sends out, um, I'm sorry, actually, before this, it says he sends out all of his chariots. Now, chariots at the time, I don't know if you guys have seen any of those, um, but they were the, like the equivalent of a tank. So if you just imagine that, like in our minds, tank, like there's 600 best tanks and tank teams, 
and then all the rest of them. So I don't know how many more was the rest of them, but I would imagine that number is probably bigger than 600. So they have this huge, massive force coming down, bearing down on them after they left, because Pharaoh goes, wait a second. I just let, it, let my free labor source leave? And this is, gonna, this is how history is going to remember me. Like, they're going to remember the Pharaoh that lost all of this labor. I need to go get them. Like, that was, that was working for us, you know. They had millions of people probably that were, that were working for me, making stuff for me. This was great. Now I need to go get them. So he, they do, and this is, this is what, they are, what they're saying then. So they see this. They look over their shoulder, and they see this coming. And this, these are the words they say. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Now, if you're like me, I mean, I'm kind of doing a little whiplash like, wait a second, didn't we just, I, I thought you just asked God like to leave. And now you're telling me in Egypt you said you wanted to stay and stay as slaves? Like I'm kind of getting a little confused here. What's going on? But the thing is, is that they've forgotten, right? They've forgotten that God just rescued them. They're focused in on this doom that's about to be upon them. And it's coming in huge force. And it can't be too harsh on, on the Israelites. It wasn't like this all happened within a month. Actually, it did. So within a month's time, they had forgotten, and this is coming down right on them again, and they have this thing right, so it was just in their history, right there, right, right behind them, not that long ago that, that God had rescued them. Let's look at what Moses says, though. So we've got different responses, right? We've got Israel's response, which is, forgetful. They've forgotten. And they're focused on me and my doom and gloom. And we've got Moses's response in Exodus 13, uh, 14, 13. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today will, will never, you will never see again. This is one of my favorite verses, honestly. If you're going to memorize a verse in this chunk, this might be the one for you. Verse 14 says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. I love that verse. I love what, it's, what it promises. I also love that it's short, so that means it's easier for me to remember. It's great. Uh, but I, I love his response here. He steps in with confidence. A confident response, looking back at, I know God. I'm in relationship. I'm a... I'm a friend of God, I'm a servant of God, and he remembers what God has done. And he steps in with confidence saying, watch out, this is what's going to happen. We're going to skip down to, to um, see the next response. This is God's response. He kind of sets it up in these next verses, and then I just want to get to the part where he actually does it. So we're going to go down to verse 21. Verse 21. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right 
and on their left. Now, if you're like me, um, you could do exactly what I did this week, and I spent a significant amount of time researching, like, okay, did they find a chariot wheel somewhere? Like, I want to see where this happened. I want to see all the details of this kind of a thing, because this is an amazing event. I can't even imagine myself, like, I've seen the VeggieTales version, and there's walls of water, and I've seen, like, the old Moses version, and they've got these huge walls. I don't know what it would be like, but I can't imagine there would be anything less than amazing to be able to see this event. I don't know exactly how God did it. I wasn't there. All I can go on is what I have here in the Word, and it says that there was huge walls, and it's Israel's rescue, their way out. And so that's where I'm going to bring us today. Instead of getting stuck in the weeds of I want to know these cool things, which you can research that later, um, I want to focus on what it talks to us about God. And that's that's what I do a lot of times when I'm trying to, when I'm doing my own personal devo time, when I'm slowing down and I'm reading the word, I want to look, one of the things I look for is what is this telling me about God? And we just heard about how God is a rescuer, right? We just heard that story, chapters 1 through 13. And he's doing it again. He's rescuing again. They, they cried out to God once, he rescues. They cry out to him again, he rescues. He's consistent. That's God's response. He's consistent, consistent rescuing God. Even amidst their complaining about it, he responds in love to rescue them again. Okay, honestly, I can't be too harsh on the Israelites. I know I kind of poked fun at them a minute ago, but I just wouldn't be kind. I got to be honest. I forget stuff all the time, right? Like, I forget stuff all the time. What's, uh, before I get into me, what's, what's the last thing that you forgot I don't know why this guy's picture needed to be on there, but he's there. So what's the last thing you forgot? It's probably the hardest question in the world, right? Because if you remembered, you wouldn't have forgotten it. All right, let's just, let's just ask it this way then. What are the top five most commonly lost things? Top five most commonly lost things, right? In a 2017 survey by a group called Pixie, they, they did this for this. They surveyed all of you, and they said, you know, what are, what are the things that you lose the most? And uh, what do they got on here? They got TV remotes. They've got your, so that's your top one. We've got your car and house keys, your shoes. Yep, I think I've seen shoes laying around here. Uh, glasses, phones, wallets, and purses. And I think I even see it right under their iPad. That's probably in there somewhere. Somebody's lost an iPad. All right. I need to see, just a show of hands here, how many of these have you done? Right? If if you've lost one of these in the past week, raise your hand. Okay. There we go. Two. Three. Four. All of them. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Thank you, the proud. Yes. Right? It is so easy to forget even when the things are basically attached to our hip. Right? Like I've got mine in my pocket and I don't know how many times I get to the front door. I'm running out and I'm like, okay, I got to be here. I got 15 minutes of extra time. And I forgot my phone so I run back and I'm like, oh, this, I spent 15 minutes trying to find this thing. The same study says that we spend about two and a half days a year 
trying to remember where we put stuff. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Two and a half days we spend trying to remember these things, like my keys. Sure, they're important things, but ultimately they're not the most important things in my life. And I just think that this is interesting because it's, it's so common to us. I forget little things, and I forget them more often than twice a month or three times a month. It's, yeah, we won't go into how many times. Um, but when I think about big things, this is where it gets a little bit more convicting for me. So here's my next question for us is, what have we forgotten about God? See, what has God, let me say it a different way, what has God done that's worth remembering in your life? What has he done? And then how do we do at remembering that thing? Maybe you're, maybe you're thinking, well, man, I don't, Mike, I don't have that great of a story or you know, I just have kind of been a Christian for a long time, and here's the thing is, he rescued you all the same. So no matter if your story is dramatic, and he's done something crazy to make you do in, everybody, in, a, in a crazy way, to, cha- to, to take you out of, out of uh, an addiction, out of a loss, out of a completely walking the other way, an obvious in everybody's eyes kind of life, or he just rescued you from the beginning. That is an amazing story, and I love it because that is the way he is, and it is so easy to forget. And here's the thing is because this story, what I'm gathering out of this story as I'm reading it today, is if God has rescued us before, he can do it again. Since God has rescued before, he can do it again. If he's rescued the people, the Israelites before, he can rescue them again. If he's rescued you before, he can rescue you again. And today, if you're here, or if you're watching online, and you have not let Jesus rescue you yet, guess what? He's ready to. And that's what you're missing out on. You're missing out on a God who is here, and he wants to be your rescue a God who fights for you when the crazy parts of life happen, when the loss of job happens, or when you're, you're battling things in the home front and you're feeling just worn down and defeated. When, when things in our world change in a, in a moment's notice, you get COVID that happens and it shakes everything up. Nobody saw it coming. He's the God who's with you. He's the God who fights for you. I don't know about you guys, but I want to get after this because I don't want to keep repeating this story in my life, right? I don't want to keep on forgetting. I want to forget forgetting. If only it was that easy, right? (laughs) So why does this keep happening to me? Why do we keep on forgetting? I think there's, there's probably lots of reasons. The two that kind of stuck out to me, the first one, I think, sometimes we get into this mode where... We're like, things are good, right? Like, I, I got a good life. I'm, I'm getting by. I've got enough for the day. I've got enough for the week. We, we can do our vacation. We can hang out. I've got my friends. I've got no worries. Hakuna Matata. It's great. Life is good. I've got that shirt on. And we just forget because if my life is good, why do I need him? 
And maybe we don't say that out loud. But sometimes our actions, my actions, will play that out. Because I forget him because I think I've got, I can do this by myself. I can do this by me. I don't need a God to do it. Next one, I think, is, and maybe that one wasn't it. Maybe this is it for you. A distraction by our culture. See, our culture is so fast-paced. I was reading, been listening to some people talk about this. Um, there's a guy by the name of John Mark Comer, a few other ones. Um, he's a pastor out in Oregon at Bridgeton Church out there. And he talks about it. He's saying that, um, that a while back we were looking forward as a society, the U.S., and they were saying, they were projecting, you know, what's it going to be like in the future for Americans and they were projecting that we were going to actually move backwards in the amount of time that we would spend at work. They said we were going to end up on an average working 26 hours a week by this time, by now, because we had advanced so much in our technology. We had gotten everything else. Maybe they were expecting a lot more robots to be running around, um, taking care of everything that we were doing, and that we would be having a lot more time of leisure. Is that true? Like, is that where we're at? We're all working 26 hours a week? Like, we all know that's not true. We look around, and the hours that the average people are, are working is not even 40 hours. It's beyond that. We're moved up to, like, 50, 60 hours a week is the average. We're in a culture of hurry up. That's what it tells us around us. Fast pace, lots of lights. Everything is grabbing for our attention. As a matter of fact, I was writing the sermon. I, um, for part of the sermon, I wanted to just focus. I was like, man, I got... I got a couple different things going on here. I need to slow down. I need to just focus on this so I can get my notes, my thoughts in the right place. And ultimately that it can be God's. I want it to just be his word coming to you today. And so I, I talked to the office and I was like, hey, listen, um, I'm going to turn my phone on do not disturb. And if, you know, anybody needs to get a hold of me, you can emergency or whatever, come back and let me know. That's fine. But I'm going to turn my phone off. So I did that. So I turned my phone on do not disturb. And in the matter of uh, an hour and a half, do you know how many times I touched my phone? I reached for my phone, even though I knew it was off, even though I knew that I couldn't even catch the notifications. I touched it six more times. I just reached over and I'm like, what am I doing? It's not even calling at me right now. I'm so used to this thing, it's like an appendage, right? Like, here's my, here's my left arm, here's my right arm, here's my phone, they're all a part of me. I'm so used to this thing, it's all calling out to me it's a distraction my pace of life because I'm so used to these things always grabbing for my attention because I'm going so fast all the time and I'm thinking about all the things that have to happen and there's lots of things right there's lots of things that are happening and they need our attention but our pace of life erodes our ability to remember if we don't slow down and remember we continue to make the same mistakes again. And that's evident here, right? We've got these two examples, but what's interesting, I want you to flip the page. Go to uh, Exodus 16, verse 1. We're going to read one quick story here. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month, after they had come out of Egypt. That time means it's one month. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to, him, said to them, 
if we had only died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Within a month, right? We're at a month from when they, when they were finally sent out and they've forgotten again. It happens over and over. If we don't take time to slow down and remember, we're going to continue in the same mistakes. And the problem with the mistakes is it doesn't just affect me. When I keep on doing these same things, it ends up hurting. Not only my relationship with God, but it ends up hurting other people. Because I don't know about you, but when I'm going fast and I'm blazing by things, I tend to not remember that I also make mistakes and I also mess up. So when somebody comes and, and I'm, I'm blazing through stuff and I'm focused on all the things I got to do and they come up and they interrupt me and I'm like, nope, see you, I'm running right over you. Like I just blow right by them and I end up hurting other people in the process because I'm not slowing down to remember my need for him. So how do we do this, right? How do we have this Moses response? Ron, this picture's for you because I know you love cats. So how do we fight um, like cats? Uh, how do we have this confident response? We find ways to set ourselves up well. We create consistent rhythms in our lives, rhythms that remind us. And it's rhythms like, you know, I think it's great that they set up Passover as a holiday to remember each year. But I don't know about you, but if it's only once a year for me, I'm not going to remember. <laughs> I'm going to need it a lot more than that. And so once a year is great. Once a month, great. And I'm going to need it even more. I'm going to need to get in some daily habits and rhythms. I'm going to need to do things like daily time with God, taking some time to read his word and talk with him about it. I'm going to need to do some, some prayer. I'm going to need to find opportunities to, in rhythm, serve. And I'm going to need to find ways to, to constantly turn back and go, I need to repent, which means turn around and go the other way from what I've been doing. I'm going to need to find ways to consistently share the story of God's work in my life, not because of me, but because I believe stories are powerful. I've got to find rhythms that I can do this with. And I don't know about you guys, but I do better with rhythms and habits when I have other people around me to walk with me through them. Um, I love the line from, uh, there's a movie called Batman Begins. I'm not necessarily endorsing the movie, but there's a line in the movie, and it's, spoiler alert, um, it's right at the beginning, though, so, and this movie's old, so you guys, let's be honest, you've already seen it or you're not going to watch it. It's, but anyways, um, so Bruce is, uh, is Batman, and he, um, he falls into this big pit. And his dad comes over, like an awesome dad, I love this, beautiful picture of a dad rescuing a son. Um, he comes over and he pulls him up out of the pit. And he asks Bruce a question. He says, why do we fall, Bruce? Why do we fall? And he answers, he says, so we can learn to pick ourselves up. I love this quote because it's a focus on I need to act. But there's... There's a severe problem, I think, with this quote. If this is how I'm going to live my life is so we can learn to pick ourselves up. It sounds a little bit too much. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. Me, myself, and I are going to make it happen. 
The problem with the quote is that it misses the person that gave the quote. Because Bruce is in a hard spot, and he's pretty, you know, he's thinking through a lot of hard things, and his life might not have gone the direction that he needed it to go if his father, Thomas Wayne, hadn't said this. It's missing people. It's missing that we need other people in our life. We're made that way. We are made to be together. We are better together because that's how we're designed. And the thing is, is yes, our life takes a lot of individual work. I'm going to be working hard every day. But it's through these other people that other people can actually be a catalyst for more in your life. So we've got a chance actually for you guys to, um, to set up some rhythms to remember. It's called Rooted. And you've probably heard me talk about it, but I believe in it a lot. And more than I believe in rooted, I believe in what it's talking about. And it's talking about the word of God. And it's talking about setting up rhythms that are pulled from the word of God. And this is a chance to step in, to set up rhythms, and ultimately for it to effect life change. Effect life change, to change lives And I'm excited for that. I'm excited for what God can do as we set up rhythms, as we remember what God has done, because that means that we become, we take a step forward and we become a little bit more like Jesus. Just one more thought here, and as I um, get ready to share the thought, the worship team can start making their ways up. Thank you guys so much just for taking a moment to remember with me a story that's written a long time ago and probably a story that, that... uh, a bulk of the people here might already remember. But just taking a moment to remember. And I know I've talked a lot and maybe you felt a little conviction. I know I feel a little conviction even though I wrote this. Um, but I wanted to give you one last thought here. And here's the thought is that it's not about you being perfect. It's about the direction. It's about the direction we're headed it's not about perfection, it's, it's about direction. See, I want to I wanna catch myself making mistakes sooner. I want to catch myself forgetting sooner or respond quicker. That's my goal. My direction is towards being fully devoted. My direction is towards being more like Jesus this year than last year. And I love that our God is a God that's not about guilt, that he steps in even in the middle of our complaining and he rescues and he rescues. Let me pray for us. God, I know we have forgotten what you've done so often. I know I do, and it's so easy to do. We forget what you've done in our lives. We've forgotten what you've done before. God, I pray just that you would help us to step forward with you, with your spirit helping us to be a little bit more like you. Help us to set up habits and rhythms to help us remember that you are our rescuer, the one with all the power. You have rescued, and we have that confidence. We can have confidence that you will do that again. God, thank you for rescuing me from my own evil, the evil that I've caused, and you have brought me to a new life, a new life with you. God, if there's those here today in this room who haven't accepted that gift, the rescue of Jesus, Give them the courage to do that today. To accept a good relationship with you as their loving, rescuing 
consistent father. God, we want to take a moment now to remember again and to do this by singing a few songs with the, to you. God, we love you. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Check out our app or website at bridgewaycommunity.org for more messages or to take the sermon one step deeper by downloading the Sermon Discussion Guide.